0: Good morning, welcome to the programme. In the headlines this hour, stocks surge amid optimism for a US-China trade deal after President Trump confirms he will meet with Xi Jinping at the G20 summit. Equity markets also rally after the ECB signals further easing while investors hope the Fed may follow suit at its policy meeting later today.
1: Uh, President Trump taking aim at central bankers, saying he could consider demoting the Fed Chair Jerome Powell whilst also blasting Mario Draghi's stimulus plans.
2: Let's see what he does. I can tell you that Draghi in uh, the uh, EU, if you look at what's going on with the Euro, they have a much different stance than our
1: folks do. And then there were five. Yes, the five remaining contenders in the race to become Britain's next prime minister clash over a no-deal Brexit. Whilst the frontrunner Boris Johnson comes under pressure over controversial comments made about Muslim
0: women. Plus, Facebook's plans for a digital currency spark criticism from global regulators, while government officials on both sides of the Atlantic voice their concerns. Yes.
1: Look at me. I'm between two great men, between two great superpowers uh, and and the the potential antagonism between these two countries. Uh, President Xi on one side, President Trump on the other. And it seems, though, that the Trump tweet has once again shown the power uh, of galvanizing these markets because now it seems that this great debate about whether they would or wouldn't meet at the G20 – has been, uh, well, solved uh, by Mr Trump where he says, yes, he will meet President Xi. My problem is people talk about the detail, and these are very detailed, long, tortuous, uh, worrisome conversations and details need to be worked out uh, at a different level, at the Sherpa level, uh, at the trade representative level, uh, and that is why a meeting at the G20 alone between these two, who have already talked about their rapprochement, uh, talked about their, their uh, the liking of each other as well, that's not the issue. It's getting the detail on a whole host of things, such as intellectual property, uh, those are the things and technological transport that need to be thrashed through as well, regardless of whether these two men, who, as I say, have already talked about liking each other, uh, meet as well. But the power of the Trump tweet again, well, just show, look at this. This is a great picture of Mr. Trump, because how grumpy does he look there? And he's actually kind of got the eye line looking at Mr. Powell, because, of course, this whole Powell demotion story once again sweeping around. It's not the first time, of course, the administration has talked about their concerns about the Fed chair uh, and his action or inaction as well. But very interesting. Also, Mr. Draghi this time getting it from President Trump, getting um, quite aggressive language in a tweet about the potential manipulation of the currency uh, and what it's doing. And it was an unfair playing field. I've got a question for you. Is Mr. Trump just jealous about what the Europeans are doing potentially uh, compared to what his own central bank is doing? Does he just want to see the kind of action from Mr Draghi, uh, from Mr Powell? Now, whether it's warranted economically or not, that seems to be uh, another side issue as well. But it just seems to me that he's desperate for Mr Powell to give him something in the run-up to what is the presidential election. And he's watching what the Europeans are doing, saying, well, if, if the Europeans are doing it, why can't we? I don't know. You know, you tell me. You're the economist there. we have got an expert coming up in a few moments' time who will discuss that very point as well. But safe to say the combination uh, of the Trump-she tweet uh, and expectations of what we might get out of Mr Power, because don't forget, there's a small matter of what is it today? The, uh, oh, yeah, the FOMC meeting. Goodness me, we're going to get dot plot, we're going to get a press conference. We're not going to get a rate cut, I don't think. That's what the experts are saying. That's what the Fed fund futures are saying. No rate cut today, but indications about one going forward? Who knows? I have seen one comment says you're going to be disappointed if you're expecting too much dovishness out of Mr. Powell today. Anyway, all to play for. This is what the markets thought uh, of the net-net of all those actions. The market loved it in the down and I'll come to a few detailed bits of the down in a few moments' time. 353 points of the good. NASDAQ, 1.4% higher. The S&P, 29.17. So we're getting very close again to record levels. Now, I mentioned Dow components. Let's have a look at one or two of the Dow components as well. Boeing. Boeing's had a tough time, hasn't it? No net new orders on the first day of the Paris air Show. But things are looking a lot better on day two of the air show as well. Look at the shares. 5.4% high. I think it was 129 points alone on the Dow. Caterpillar, Deer and Co. These are companies that will massively benefit, or so thinks the market, from a trade deal, and that is why we saw them being floated so high. Dollar crosses. Let's have a look at these again. Every one of these dollar crosses is is fascinating at the moment. We talked about the Japanese exporters a couple of days ago. 108.32 on that pair, dollar yuan. Again, tell me you're not looking at seven. Of course you are. We're all looking at seven. 6.9 is where it's currently trading. Euro dollar. This is what caught uh, Mr. Trump's eye, the 112 down to the 111 handle as well. He wants the same kind of action. He wants dollar move. But hang on a second. This is one of these big mantras of the G7, G20, that actually you change interest rates for domestic purposes, nothing to do with your currency. Remember that one? We talked about that last time we had a battle, worry about the Japanese uh, deflating the price of their currency. And here we go. This is the, uh, the cable pair as well, responding constantly to the, the various... Um, Uh, vicissitudes of fortune for various uh, Tory party candidates did you watch that hour of stimulating TV last night uh, the Tory party debate on the BBC No, neither did I. Uh, Right, let's... I can't be wrong. There's better things to do in life, isn't there? Let's have a look at the uh, WTI and Brent Price. These, again, uh, rallying not on, incidentally, not on Middle East tension story. They've been rallying uh, on, again, that hope for reflation of the world economy on the back of a Xi-Trump deal. And a quick look at the Asian indices. We'll see if they are following suit as well. Uh, We will move on to the Asian indices... Thank you. Right, 1.5% higher for the Shanghai Composite, 1.3% higher for the Kospi, and the Hang Seng having a really, really good rally this week, up 2.4%.
2: We have never taken in 10 cents from China. We would lose $500 billion a year with China. We rebuilt China. They've done a great job, but they took us for suckers. And that includes Obama and Biden. We took... They took us for suckers.
0: China took us for suckers. That was President Trump at his 2020 campaign kickoff rally just a few hours ago, speaking to a packed crowd in Florida. He said he is prepared to walk away from a trade deal with China if it's not fair. It comes after the president confirmed in a tweet that a meeting with his Beijing counterpart Xi Jinping will take place at the G20 summit next week. Let's get out to Yunus in Beijing with more on this story. And This seems to have followed on then from a telephone conversation that took place. What are we hearing from the Chinese side about the prospects of some kind of deal being inked at the G20?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting because um, in that rally, President Trump really projects himself as the tough one on China. But here in, here in China, uh, the state media has been painting President Xi Jinping as the one with the upper hand. So there have been various official news outlets that have been very quick to point out that President Xi took the call, quote, at the request of President Trump. Uh, they've also been saying that President Xi has been willing to meet with President Trump at the G20 in a bilateral. Uh, but uh, the, it, and, and another point was that a lot of the, the media has been stressing that the U.S. side values the relationship between the U.S. and China and hopes that the two sides can start the communication. So, in other words, uh, China has been trying to make sure it was quite quite clear that the U.S. has been initiating these conversations. A meeting, of course, would be welcome here. Uh, But um, at the same time, there is still some question mark as to uh, whether or not a meet and greet at the G20 is going to lead to a trade deal. And I was speaking to uh, some of the people who've been following the trade talks closely from the Chinese side, and uh, there's still quite a bit of skepticism and concern about uh, whether or not uh, Beijing would should proceed with these type of trade discussions with President Trump, because um, the thinking has been that President Trump could potentially um, uh, decide to slap China with tariffs on issues that the Chinese feel are completely unrelated to trade and economic um, reasons. So, uh, for example, the Hong Kong protests and the way it's been explained to me is that uh, President Trump did that with Mexico and the flow of migrants over the border. So what's not to stop him from doing that to China, which could potentially be humiliating or in, in at the end of the day, really render any trade deal that they would uh, negotiate uh, meaningless. So um, at this point, uh, there are people who, who hope that there could be a truce. Uh, maybe uh, tariffs uh, would be postponed by a couple of months, but um Another idea is that uh, China should just continue um, as, it, as it has been and, and wait things out, guys.
0: Eunice, thank you very much indeed for setting the scene for us from the Chinese perspective. Let's bring in Steve Jacobs then, CEO of BTG, Pactual Asset Management. Steve, good morning to you. Morning. Any coincidence, you think, that uh, here we have Donald Trump launching officially his campaign in Florida and talking up the prospect now that we will get a deal signed at the G20 meeting?
4: No, No coincidence whatsoever. And I love your introduction because I think this is absolutely perfect for Trump. You know, the fact that the ECB and Draghi's made his comments and he's thrown his toys out the pram about what that means for the dollar and the euro. Um, this is all he needs to put some pressure on the Fed. And likewise, I think now he can make some noise around China. Um, he can be the man that pulls together himself and Xi Jinping at the G20. Uh, I'm sure they'll come up with a lovely statement like talks are back on track, but then the real hard work starts. And like you mentioned a few minutes ago, it's the
0: detail. One of the things I think our audience needs to pay careful attention to is the reaction function for markets from, from an improvement in the tone of these trade negotiations. Yesterday, we got a big bump in asset prices, 350 on the Dow. Oil was up over 3.5% just on the chatter that now there is going to be a meeting that could lead to a deal being signed. How should we be thinking about trading around this noise to make money?
4: I think, um, I think you, what, you, what you've seen happen is literally that, it's a, a quick bump on the positive noise after weeks of um, much more kind of inflammatory talk. I think that will fade away. I think, uh, well, you've got the G20 in a couple of weeks, so it's likely that you'll see some, again, like I said, some, some nice talk coming out of that and maybe a, a short-term bump again in the market. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks to trade around that. But I do see post the G20, um, no quick resolution on China, trade discussions continuing the noise, continuing the uncertainty, continuing over the low vol summer months. Um, So I think that makes trading very difficult, and I think you'll see that in the markets. Oil, I mean, the fundamentals are still there. You've got high inventories in the US, that's not going away. I do expect to see Russia uh, and and OPEC agree the continuation of their deal later on, probably around the G20. Um, But again, I still think the fundamentals will drive ultimately the markets there.
1: I'm confused. You are a seasoned market watcher. You are an expert, but you've said, oh, let's see what comes out of the G20. Nothing will come out of the G20, Steve. I saw the debacle of the Brisbane G20. (laughs) I've been to many G20s, G8s and now G7s myself as well. And very few of them actually generate anything other than flim-flam, other than bluster, other than talking about surplus nations. In fact, you could probably pick the one I went to in 2011, the Cannes one, where they talked about surplus nations doing more. More, spending more, kind of thing, creating yeah. jobs, blah blah. We're going to get exactly the same kind of thing, and and it actually net net doesn't really mean anything. There'll be no great global coordinated
4: action. I agree one hundred percent, and that's really my point. So my point is, I think you'll see, but I think you'll see the market react positively to Trump and Xi being up there saying, "Hey, we're back. We're talking." but that will fade very quickly.
1: No-one's ever had a problem with their relationship, and we'll take them at their word that they are on very amicable terms. But but there are details here, such as technological transfer, such as intellectual property, such as trying to get the surplus... Let's face it, he doesn't like the fact that China has such a large trans-Pacific surplus. None of that's going to change, is it? It isn't, but then you see what happened
4: yesterday. So you see the fact that Trump tweets to say, hey, I'm talking to Xi now, And the market reacts instantly. Then
1: I'll ask you another question. Is the market stupid or is it just wishful thinking? I
4: think it's wishful thinking leading up off the back of this global trade tension. I think you'll get that wishful thinking again out of some positive noise out of the G20 and then I think you come back to reality. And you're absolutely right. I think he needs a win on intellectual property theft. He needs a win on market access. There's bipartisan support in the US. Mm. I think he cannot go back at the end of the year I think he'll have barbs thrown at him in the whole re-election campaign if, if intellectual property doesn't have some kind of win. That's difficult because yeah. the Chinese have said that's, that's domestic legislation change.
1: Okay. We'll, we'll leave it there. I mean, obviously, the big question is, are the markets fairly valued now as well? And we'll come to that in, in a short while if we can.
0: Uh, let's talk about uh, a guest that's coming up on the programme this morning. He's been called President Trump's go-between with China, Blackstone's chairman and CEO. Steve Schwartzman will be here. It's a first on at 8.30 CET. We're going to talk a bit about this new AI centre in Oxford that he's funding. We'll get into that conversation later. Plus, CNBC has an exclusive interview with Huawei's CEO as the Chinese tech company continues to battle it out with the White House.
1: On the economic calendar today, a German factory inflation is expected to slip further. Just the latest in a series of weak readings from Europe's largest economy. UK inflation is forecast to fall back slightly to 2%. That's target, isn't it? That's exactly where they want it. Ahead of the Bank of England. I mean, sorry, decision, not indecision. Silly on me. uh, Tomorrow. Uh, But it's the Fed front and centre that decision, uh, along with the new dot plot and forecast due at 8 p.m. Central European time. Now ahead, President Trump continues his criticism of the Federal Reserve and takes aim, as we've mentioned, at Mr Draghi.
0: Uh, Well, we're only 15 minutes into the podcast, but already I think you'll be excited to listen again to the presentation (laughs) on the top of the programme. We've got another 15 minutes of the podcast to run here, and then you can catch it all later. Go to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to have a listen and download today's episode. And for our listeners, stick around for more. We'll see you right after this.
1: I think this, this, this um, description on my prompt must be wrong. It says US yields. Are there still any yields? Oh yeah, there are. Okay, just about. This isn't the European ones, is it? It's not, it's not the Swedish yields. Uh, let's have a look. What do we get? What do you get for your money? Your two year, you get 187. Doesn't seem too bad at the moment, does it? On your 10 year though, uh two point zero six eight one. That's been coming in very, very quickly as well. Uh 30 year, goodness me, if you lock your money for 30 year you get a, a yield of 2.5% now. Wow. Well inflation's that's an, that's, never coming back.
0: That's an embarrassment of riches compared to the buns, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Let's minus point three it. or something. Or would you rather own Swiss francs and <laughs> pay for the privilege of that? Um, let's move on. President Trump has piled more pressure on the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates after Bloomberg reported the White House counsel had examined demoting Jerome Powell as chair in February. The report said White House legal analysis found the move would be contentious, but that a case could be made when asked by reporters if he is still considering it. Trump said, quote, let's see what he does. The Fed will announce its latest policy decision at eight CET this evening. Meanwhile, the president hit out at the ECB. This after Mario Draghi hinted at further stimulus for the eurozone if inflation doesn't reach its 2% target. Uh, Mr. Draghi's comments saw the euro slide against the dollar. In a tweet, President Trump argued that a softer euro made it, quote, unfairly easier for them to compete against the USA. The president also claimed Europe had been, quote, getting away with this for years. The president addressed both the ECB and Jerome Powell's position at the White House.
2: Let's see what he does. I can tell you that Draghi and the uh, EU, if you look at what's going on with the Euro, they have a much different stance than our folks do. Uh, As you know, he did something today that was very dramatic and frankly it uh, helped that part of the world. So we'll see what happens. They're going to be making an announcement pretty soon. So we'll see what happens. But I want to be given a level playing field. And so far I haven't been.
1: Um, so I'm just going to go back to my original point, Steve. Uh, is Mr. Trump jealous of what Draghi is doing? Uh, immediately drop the euro against the dollar. Um, what did he say? Unfairly manipulating? I think that was in there somewhere as well. I mean, it's just, he wants... Uh, Mr Powell to do exactly the same, doesn't he? He does, absolutely. I don't think it's,
4: he's jealous. I think he's making the point very clearly, look what Europe's doing. I mean, and let's be fair, what else is Draghi going to do? Europe is anemic. It's got, what is it, 2%, 0.2% growth quarter on quarter. It's going to need um, the ECB to cut rates. It, Draghi's hands are almost tied. The Germany, the Netherlands, the countries in a position to fiscally loosen up, are making no sign to do it. So once again, the ECB has to step in. Uh, and, and he is jealous. He's looking at that going, well, why can't I, our Fed do the same? Why can't they cut today?
1: I will correct myself, he never said the word manipulating, he said unfairly easier for them to compete against the UK as well, but unfairly easier. This is very interesting territory ahead of the G20 as well, because you're not supposed to use domestic measures in order to stimulate your uh, currency one way or other. This is where the Japanese apparently uh, caught a lot of ire last time round, we talked about currency wars as well. But is it an accurate accusation? Is Draghi trying to get the euro down?
4: No, I don't think Draghi's trying to get the euro down. Like I, said, I think Draghi is looking ahead. I mean, look at the five year inflation numbers, and they're awful. Look at the numbers at the moment, and they're awful. Um, I think the, the rates cut, as he said, you know, forward guidance, what he gave yesterday, is one weapon. Rates cuts is the next weapon. It's the most easy to put in place and, and quick to put in place. He'll wait. And then you might have QE further down the track, which I think you only get to if you're in technical recession territory. Um, And, yeah, Trump's looking at that going, why can't you guys do the same? I think the difference is the U.S. has fundamentally... Well, it has mixed numbers, but more on the good side than the bad side. It's got virtually no unemployment. The retail numbers are good. The manufacturing numbers are not great. Um, But the Fed language is geopolitically, the trade war is causing uncertainty, hence we're thinking about rates cuts, basically. That's the, the excuse that they have to cut, not currency manipulation or currency management.
0: Um, let's pick it up with Anetta, who uh, joins us now from Cintra. Um, Anetta, you and I have uh, covered the ECB for a very long time, and uh, every now and again, um, the ECB comes out and complains that the market has misunderstood the nature of the comments that were made by Mr Draghi, and that usually happens when you get a very large movement in an asset price. We did get some significant movements yesterday. Uh, There was a feeling that Mr Draghi had gone much further in the dovish tone than we've heard for some time. Is the ECB comfortable with what it's achieved?
5: ECB actually uh, is comfortable with what they have said yesterday. They were not so comfortable with what the market made out of their comments made in Vilnius two weeks ago. So you can see it as a clarification or perhaps a yeah better communication, if you want, what happened yesterday. Because clearly at Vilnius during the press conference, Mario Draghi intervened to clarify that rates can also go lower and that... Not the only op. That's not the only option. Is that they can actually hike rates because that was still in the tax. So he wanted to make clear that he sees the urgency and the situation in the markets and that they are uh, ready to really act. And if you want, it was another whatever it takes we do to bring inflation back to our target or even higher. And I think that's the interesting point. They were stressing the symmetry of the objective of inflation close to 2%. That means we also need a certain time of overshooting to have the the target or the objective uh, reached on average over the medium term. And I guess that's why he was like being so bold yesterday. He really wants the markets to believe that they are doing whatever it takes. Again, those three words to uh, bring inflation back to its target and not to have a scenario where inflation expectations could eventually de-anchor. But Mario Draghi during a panel yesterday also was... um, responding kind of to the tweet of Donald Trump. Um, Take a listen of what he said.
0: We have our remit, we have our mandate. Our mandate is price stability defined as a a rate of inflation which is close, but below 2% over the medium term. I just said a moment ago that we are ready to use all the instruments that are necessary to fulfill with this mandate. And we don't target the exchange rate. Thank you.
3: And over there...
5: (laughs) So, clearly, the most likely thing which is going to happen probably quite soon is a rate cut if there's no improvement of inflation and also no um yeah sort of agreement in the trade uh, conflict very unlikely to happen um so we might see some policy action as soon as July and that's the 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 kind of reaction um from that speech yesterday and Clearly, a restarting of QE is very much likely as well, because given um, that a rate cut from zero into negative territory really will not probably make the trick. Um, it's getting more complicated, to be honest, to do monetary policy here in the Eurozone. And I guess this will be a big job for his successor. And that's the next big theme here on the ground. It's sort of you look at those people here and you think, who's going to be the next Draghi? Because there are lot of contenders present here on the ground.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
3: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.